Hey there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Before we jump in, I just want to do a plug for my interview episode last week with Sarah Michelle, because that is a guest that I honestly wanted to have on right when I launched, because she's got one hell of a story when it comes to resilience, but our schedules just didn't align. And finally, finally they did. So if you want to hear an amazing story and just an overall incredible conversation, go back and check that one out. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Antonia Hawk. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. entrepreneurs. I am so grateful and so excited to have the fabulous Antonia Hawk on today. You are in for a treat because she brings a boatload of wisdom to the table and this conversation I've been looking forward to all week. So let me give you a little bit background about this fantastic human being. So she is the global head of the Ritz-Carlton Leadership Center, where she leads a dynamic advisory business focused on innovating the customer experience and the talent experience for clients worldwide. I absolutely love that. Those are like my two favorite things to talk about sometimes. So thank you for that. Um, She is a sought after author, thought leader, and frequent global keynote featured speaker and considered a global expert on organizational transformation and building experience-based brands, creating a culture of customer centricity, empowering employees and issues around diversity in the workforce and innovating experiences for the future. She was recognized by Luxury Daily as one of the top 25 women to watch in 2018 and 19, which that is for those of you who don't know, an annual list of women executives who you know show potential to make a difference in the luxury business in the year ahead. Her passion for highly differentiated customer experiences grounded in employee excellence has created exceptional brand loyalty across segments and industries. And you have no idea how excited and grateful I am for you being on the show today. So thank you so much for joining us today. Michelle, thank you. That was a mouthful. I know, I know, but it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I go back and forth about like, should I cut it down? I'm like, no, these are amazing things about you. We're going to, we're going to own all that. Um, and also I love the fact that you're focused on, like I said, customer experience and talent experience, the parallels between those and, and all of that. I just think it's an amazing, an amazing thing. Um, so let's jump in. So can you please just tell folks, you know, how does one get to be the global head of the Ritz-Carlton Leadership Center? Give us a little background about your, your journey up to this point. Sure. So, uh, you know, for me, 
I um, I would define my entire career as one of experience collection. So I have been on a journey since the, the very beginning to innovate and transform. And it started out with uh, dot, the dot-com boom. I'm totally dating myself here, but uh, I started out coming up through that world of entrepreneurship, innovation, and transformation. And I loved every minute of it. And that just led me to focus on technology to start with and to work through a number of just amazing companies that have driven great, great innovation and, and transformation um, globally, Microsoft, HP, Siemens. And just the last four years, as sort of technology transformation has really sped up, I was presented with the opportunity to come and work for a great brand, Ritz-Carlton, uh, via Marriott, who's the parent company, and drive that transformation with service both service through the talent experience and the employee experience, and then also service uh, as we think about transforming the customer experience and coming here to build out just this extraordinary business focused on serving the Fortune 500 and other global brands with all of our um, best practices from the Ritz-Carlton. So it's been a great ride and the experiences at all of those companies and the opportunity to work with brands globally continues to inspire me every day. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's absolutely amazing. And I think just being able to, to draw that connection, I would think between the customer, the internal and the external experience, let's just say, um, and how, how much that does differentiate companies from one another, correct? Absolutely. And it's never been more important right now with the world Mm -hmm. that we're operating in experience is everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you can't, if you can't step foot into a company wholeheartedly, you know, because of the pandemic, then you need to really remember your experience above and beyond. So, you know, bravo to you for doing that. Um, On a personal note, I will say, I think we were talking about this before that, you know, you and I would be best friends in another life or if we were closer to each other, because (laughs) I got sent over, you know, um, three things that you absolutely love and one fast car. Fantastic. Um, two expensive whiskey. Um, that's the best kind. And three, <laughs> you know, big mountains. So I just, I love that. And I think, you know, that is a perfect segue for us, if you can believe it, into chatting a little bit about something I saw that you wrote right before, or right after rather, the new year about, you know, what your plans were for 2021. One of that was had to do with big mountains, I remember. Um, But something in particular that you said in there really struck me, and I think it'll help our listeners too. You said, what you aren't changing, you are choosing. (laughs) And I'm making a lot of deliberate choices for 2021, and I hope you are too. So can you expand upon that a little bit? And you can talk about big mountains if you want to, wherever you want to go with it. Sure. You know, I just think um, reflection is a big part of how I start my day. Reflection is a big part of how I live. And there's oftentimes this sense that, you know, the the undone in our lives, the things that just slide in and out of our day um, become part of our pattern. And I think it's very, very important to be deliberately thinking about your choices because those things that just slide in and out of your day, you actually are choosing them. Yes. 
um, by, by the very nature of allowing them to be in your life, allowing you, yourself to be present with those things. So I think the new year is always a great time. And we just had Lunar New Year as well. Exactly. Uh, so it's a great time to think about, do you have a deliberate plan for yourself? Do you have a deliberate way you show up every day? Are you thinking about what you're allowing in your life? Are you thinking about the choices you're making? Because if you're not going after those in a really thoughtful way, you're still choosing everything else that's flowing behind it. For me, that's all about signing up for big goals, making plans and going after them every single day. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I tend to call that the, um, the intersection of awareness and choice because I'm a, I can wholeheartedly agree with you. Everything is a choice, everything for those of you listening. And I think some people would rebut that and say, well, you know, not everything, but really it is (laughs) straight up. It is either your emotions and your reaction to the things you can't control or staying the same, but you have to be aware, right? So do you think self-awareness plays a a huge role in that as well? Absolutely. I think anytime Look, we're all going to be dealt cards. We're all going to be presented with things that that are outside of our control. But the actions, the mindset, the the way we show up, and how we play those cards is always going to be a choice. Right. So, I, you know, I, for me, I look around. I'm kind of the eternal optimist as well, so that probably plays in. But I love and celebrate the choices that I have every day. Right, right, as you should, right? Because I mean. We're, we're over here in the States. There are a lot of places that we don't have as many choices, number one, but also, you know, we are, we're human beings and no matter what situation you're in, you always have a choice, you know, and I'm not saying that to be, you know, Susie sunshine with rainbows and butterflies and stuff, but no matter the bad situation that you're in, you can still choose how to feel. You can choose your mindset through it. There's always something that you are able to choose period. Uh- I agree. And it's been interesting going through the pandemic um, and and reflecting on mindfulness, because I think those are so tied to how we perceive choice and being mindful and reflecting and how you show up. It's just, it's a great time to really think about that as we have all this swirl around us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think I think it's, it's been a scary period when in the realm of mindfulness too, because some people hadn't slowed down. People hadn't slowed down long enough to kind of examine themselves and that can be empowering, but that can also be an extremely scary thing to do if you haven't done it in a long time. Would you agree? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I I'm seeing a lot of clients in the past year who, have slowed down. And then all of a sudden, you know, it feels weird because we are used to the busy. I think there's, there's a lot to be said about the, the phrase, the disease of being busy on a lot of levels. So I think, you know, don't be afraid to slow down and to step into that mindfulness, as you were saying, like, if you're not mindful, how are you going to make an educated decision on what you want to do? Well, and, and I think it ties back as well to just um, your life, right? Mm-hmm. Such a gift and you don't want to go through it kind of want, wandering along, right? Being thoughtful and deliberate about choices every day, your goals, um, what you want for yourself, how you're taking care of yourself. Those are just critical parts of making sure you're, you're living your best life. And that sounds so cliche, but uh, you know, a lot of people paused and with, with COVID and all the things that have gone on, 
And they've been so busy going to the dry cleaners, going to the grocery store, doing five or six different jobs and running around so hard. All of a sudden the pause caused a lot of people to reflect on, is this the life I want? Exactly. Am I doing what I really want to be doing um, into the fullest? And I think that's a real silver lining in some regards. Yeah. So very yeah. positive. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's the thing is there's so many, I work a lot with women and there's so many times I've asked them, you know, just the simple question of like, what makes you happy or what would you like to do? And the blank stare, or I think, who is it? Um, the quote that says like the dizziness of freedom mm -hmm. that you have that, that you have that ability to choose and that, you know, your, your ability to choose happiness or to choose joy or whatever that looks like does not just go out the window. Once you cross 18, you know, years of age for some <laughs> I reason, I think I agree. <laughs> people forget like as adults, you can, you can still choose joy and you can still kind of, you know, be the captain of your own ship for lack of a better phrase. Um, all right, well, let's, let's chat a little bit about, you know, resilience. Cause that's, you know, where we are here, the resilient entrepreneur, you know, there was an amazing interview that I read, which, which just prompted me to reach out to you for this, where you spoke about kind of your different, your different approach to resilience and what made you the person that you are today. And because it definitely takes a good amount of resilience to get to where you are, um, having worked in the corporate world, I know. Um, so the quote that you put in that article is the net lesson I learned as a 17 year old is that you must believe in your own power. You must do the work required and never let circumstances or obstacles keep you from being resilient. And this is my favorite line. The Calvary is not coming. <laughs> <laughs> can you just expand upon that my dear yes absolutely you know I wish it was coming mm -hmm. I really do but yeah. you know the reality is for in my my view that is the the state in which we all operate yeah it's you know you are the captain of your own ship you are the single-handed individual who is going to uh, make an imprint, save yourself, figure out how to get yourself in and out of situations. Mm -hmm. There's, there's not for, for, in my view, for all of us, there is no giant entourage of people that are going to do the work for you. Yeah. And the faster you can get to that place and you can realize that you have to make your own way in and out of situations, the faster you will get to a, a place where you feel empowered, you feel capable, and you feel like you can get through and, and tackle anything that comes your way. And that's such a powerful gift. And for, for me, um, I was always a daredevil. I was always that, that young um, person that was going to go for it. Right. And that just created patterns that have been life lasting. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for, for being a daredevil as a young person, because I had to learn how to pick myself up, dust myself off and move on quickly. Uh, but that's a gift I, I wish for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think, and just, just so to be clear, it doesn't mean you don't ask for help, right? Because I can Correct. hear people saying, oh, well, the Calvary is not coming. That means I have to do everything myself. And you know, they, that those walls go up which is very different if I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly than what you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. It's asking for help. Every great person knows that it takes a village, exactly. but there's a certain amount of responsibility for asking people for that help and figuring out how to plug them into your overall plan. Yes. That's part of 
being great at getting through challenges, overcoming them, getting to that next great thing and bringing great people along with you on that ride. Right, right. I love that plugging them into your your greater plan cuz cuz I think you know I don't I just want to to drive that home cuz I think people do get confused especially in the entrepreneurial world over here. Is that like, you know, you're an entrepreneur, your your business is, is an extension of yourself to some, you know, to some regard, but that doesn't mean that you never ask for help and you don't surround yourself with amazing people, which I would assume you do to some, to some extent, given, you know, the leadership, um, you know, group that you're working with and stuff like that. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm blessed to have so many people around me that inspire me every day. Their skills are complementary to mine. I, they teach me so many great things. I just think you've got to be open to it. And I'd say that's also kind of a facet of the Calvary isn't coming. You have to be open yes. to learning and from others and watching people around you. I'm a big fan of finding people that are different. You admire their style. You admire some skills they bring to the table and you, you practice and watch them. Right. That's part of being able to empower yourself when the time comes, because if you're constantly learning, you're picking up those skills along the way. And that's so important. Yeah. And for those of you who may not be like situated in a team of people, I hear a lot of times people say, well, I can't find a mentor. Well, number one, do you have Google? Do you read audiobooks? <laughs> Do you are you listening to this podcast? You know, I think to your point, I love that you said, you know, watching people and kind of just learning and tweaking. And it it doesn't mean you're going to be copying them. That I want to just take off the table completely, but you're looking at it from put your strategic hat on, your CEO hat on and look and say, okay, look at that complementary skill set. How did they do it? What, you know, challenges did they face so that you can turn around and apply it to your life as well, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. And I think, uh, you know, I think learning and resilience are actually really tightly connected. Yes. Agreed. It's, it's not, some people think about resilience and they think it's just pure grit. And there's definitely an element of, you know, gumption and courage yeah, and grit right. that goes with being resilient, right. but learning and honing your skills and growing is a big part of getting better at it every day. Right. I mean, I, I, when you read it in the dictionary, it's like the ability to bounce back essentially. Um, but I couldn't agree more with what you're saying about the learning. And I'm a big fan of, you know, resilience being your ability to kind of embrace the spectrum of emotions that comes with, for lack of a better, like better phrase, a shit show that's, that's laid yep. out in front of you. You know, you embrace the spectrum of emotions and then reflect, learn and go forward because you know what, I think there's truth in what doesn't kill you makes you stronger number one. And there are just so many valuable lessons to be learned in the pain and the pain that you go through. Cause we're always going to go through it. Right. I absolutely agree. And you know, when I look at resilience and I start to think about, you know, what I admire and people who are very resilient, it's, you know, there's that courage and grit and getting through tough circumstances, but I love it. And it's so inspiring to me when I come across someone who's been dealt a, a hard, a hard set of cards and they're bringing this kind of optimistic lens to it that they will get through, they can get through. They're bringing some real problem solving back to the learning we just talked about. They've right. got a toolkit. Right. Exactly. And then they're also, act, they're, they're not afraid to act. Right. That's a big part of, of, you know, getting through anything. You, have, you can think about it forever, but you're going to have to take action. 
Exactly. And I think, and then you build the momentum behind that. Absolutely. I think people underestimate momentum that can be built from, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the quote, little by little, a little makes a lot, Mm -hmm. right? So even if you are listening to this and you are paralyzed in a place of complete overwhelm and trying to enact your resilience muscles, you know, taking action is the fastest way to get results on any level, even if it's a small action. I just, yeah, go ahead. I a hundred percent agree, Michelle, for me, if I sit for too long and think about something for too long without taking one small um, movement or action towards fixing it or solving it or working through it, it starts to just, you know, the the momentum goes the other way. Right. And now you just want to sit and think about it. So I always encourage everybody find that one thing, get started. Right. Right. And I think being prepared for those times as well, to, to an extent, you know, I, I teach clients a lot of the times to have like the toolkit at the ready. So when you are stuck or when you are in overwhelm or whatever that looks like, you know, what are those surefire things that snap you out of it so that you're able to see the forest through the trees and take action? I mean, do you have any things that you kind of rely on when you're in that state of overwhelm, if you ever get there or anything like that, that kind of, you know, snap you out a little bit? Well, I have to say, I am like back. I'm an optimist, and I love laughter. So I'm that person. You, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to find. I'm going to step back from it for a moment, and I'm going to just sort of revel in the being overwhelmed because, at some measure, <laughs> that is that is a gift. It is. I mean, true, if you true. are overwhelmed, you yeah. have so much going on in your life, and you have so many things coming at you that y- you have a plethora you're you're overflowing with with craziness and back to just gratitude and reflection i try at first just to laugh about that and enjoy that for a moment and and count my blessings for being overwhelmed and then i get down to business exactly and i find that moment of just like being grateful for being overwhelmed in the first place which may sound very odd to many people but i find that sets me into a mindset right away that turns my, maybe my stress or my, my negative view of that world on its head. And it prepares me to get ready to look at my list, figure out what's a top priority and start to work through it. It just changes my mindset. Right. It's, it's as simple as you hear a lot of people say, like, instead of saying, I have to do X, Y, Z, I get to do, mm-hmm. you know, utilizing that, even that little trick, like you said, like, and laughing at it. Cause I have to say like the ability to infuse joy into any situation or sarcasm. Cause I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know? I just remember. So my background is my kids had a ton of medical issues. And I just remember my husband and I, you know, we'd be in hospitals, we'd be wherever. And people must've thought we were crazy because we would just be, you know, finding things to laugh about being silly, whatever it may be, because you know, you're, you're in that situation. It's sometimes it's going to take a little bit to get out of it. So why not enjoy the ride? Right. A hundred percent agree. And I think it also, it's just back to the psychology of it. And for people that are thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I start to build this muscle? You've got to attend to the psychology of it. It's not just about making the task list, figuring out your priorities and acting. If you want to enjoy the process and enjoy the ride, you have to attend to your own psychology too. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the, in the self-awareness, that's another thing around the self-awareness is, you know, understanding that number one, good and bad need to coexist in this planet. So it's not always going to be good. So wrap your head around that folks. Um, and then also, you know, just 
just to your point, stepping into the, the psychology of an understanding your behaviors, understanding the behaviors of others, anything that you can do to kind of learn and influence your toolbox to continue to be more resilient. Would you agree? Absolutely. Just, uh, you know, you've got to tap into, for me, it's like that moment of reflection and laughter. Everybody has kind of a trigger that puts them into a great place. And it's worth taking the time to think about yours. Some people need to journal. Some people, you need to take a moment. And, you know, I have a, I I love Pinterest and I have a board. I collect quotes. I'm a quote. Quotaholic. Yeah, yeah. And I sometimes when I'm just having a, a, a lousy day or I've got to think hard about something, I flip over to my Pinterest boards and I read all these quick snapshots of words of wisdom and it just changes my mindset. Yeah. So figuring out what your little your little trick is to get your head right so you can go do what you need to do. Right. I mean, I hear a lot of, I've actually a couple of friends who, and I do this as well as we have kind of that folder, or I have a box on my shelf that contains, you know, client praise or, or any of those good things that have happened along the way in your professional journey or your personal journey that you look back on when you are having a crappy day and you're, you know, that self-talk and you're in a shame spiral or whatever that may be. But like you said, maybe it's a Pinterest board of quotes. Maybe it's the box of client praise, whatever it is, but proactively put it in place, folks, so that you are ready, you know, when, when those things hit. Um, so let's jump on to your, your top points about resilience, because when I read the article in your interview about this, you know, so many of the, the things that you said resonated with me. Um, so could you talk us through, I think it's what coaching activity resources, visualize and engagement. So could you talk us through, let's start with coaching. Absolutely. So when I thought about, and I, I'm, I'm just a big fan of, of, action, right? Figuring out a lot of people love to talk strategy and, you know, and I do too, but at the end of the day, you've got to get down to how do you actually do something? And so resilience is one of those topics. Oftentimes people talk about it, you know, super high level, but how do you build it? Yeah. And when I sat down to think about it, I, I started to structure it into this model. I would call the carve model. And it's got these five elements that are built to help you break down how to become more resilient. The first, as you pointed out, is coaching. Uh, We talked about it just a few moments ago. Takes a village. So finding a coach, somebody you've watched or somebody, even if you just want to follow them on LinkedIn or you want to follow their blog, finding somebody who you admire for their resilience and watching how they do it. If you have, if you have the opportunity to be one-on-one with them, asking them questions, figuring out how they get into that mindset. That's a very powerful tool. So that's my first piece. My, my second piece is, is finding an activity where, you know, you're going to struggle to learn something new. So you get a chance to practice when it's not mission critical to your life, to your job, to your livelihood, Resilience is something people learn over time. And so if you don't put yourself in situations where you have control a little bit over the situation and get that opportunity to learn, you know, it might be, you've always wanted to pick up Spanish, right? So get yourself into, you know, a a set of lessons where you're going to have to practice because you're not going to be great at it every time you, you, you go to, to learn. So learning how to practice your resilience muscle. Um, the next one would be resources. 
everybody needs their toolkit, their go-to toolbox of people and, um, and thoughts and all these kinds of things that, that can help you when you're faced with a situation. And you've said it multiple times on this podcast already, have it at the ready, have your group of people that, you know, Hey, if you know you might be facing some financial challenges in your business this year, have your set of people who can help you through that at the ready. Right. So you can feel in control when challenges come your way. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one I'd say, these are actually, these last two are really my favorites. Um, visualizing things, such a powerful tool. And I feel it is so underutilized by most people, except for athletes who know the power of it and use it all the time. And for visualization, I really think about two things. One, walking through mentally your most ideal outcome. Pick a scenario you face all the time or one that you you faced in, in your life already and walk through your perfect you know, steps in your mind to how you would drive an outcome and think about it. Take the time out of your busy, frantic day to think about how you would get to that place you wanted to be. And then also visualizing and reflecting on a time when you weren't resilient. Lots of people don't want to take the time to do the Mm postmortem, but sometime when you really struggled and what would you do differently? How would you change the things and the steps to drive a different outcome and practicing and thinking about it and taking the time to actually reflect and do it? Yeah. I mean, I just, I had a, (laughs) I had a teacher tell me once, you know, because sometimes again, like we are to your point, they don't, people don't necessarily do the postmortem. And if they do, there's still a ton of emotion attached to it right? So about the failure and it just works as more ammo, but instead, like you said, visualizing it in a way that, you know, treat it like a movie script, treat it like, you know, a sitcom, whatever you want it to be to rewrite what that ending may be in the next iteration so that you can say, and you can do this proactively too. I do it before I go on stage is that I will literally look at the stage and I'll visualize what it needs to, how I want it to, to be. And, but I love the fact that you included that one because people aren't, aren't using it. Like you said, unless you're an athlete. So thank you for including that one. It's just for, for me, it's just a really, really powerful tool. I use it all the time. I use it before I have to deliver a PowerPoint. I visualize the outcome I want to drive. I don't just think about the individual slides and the content. I'm thinking about the, the, the entire process end to end and how I want people to feel and what I want them to take away at the end. So visualization, something, I think if we, we wove it into our day more frequently, it would be a powerful tool for everyone. I mean, that doesn't just have to be on the professional end either folks. I mean, like for me, I've used it with, you know, situations with my kids. I've used it for, you know, tricky, navigating tricky personal, you know, relationships, whatever it may be. But if you put out there that you want the, like you said, the optimal outcome, then, you know, you're preparing yourself to set yourself up for success with that. So do you use it personally as well? All the time. Yeah. 
it's, I just feel like I'm, I'm a very outcome driven person. And so in order to get to an outcome, I don't want to just look one step on the road. I want to look at the whole road. And the only way to look at the whole road is really to, to take the time to visualize everything in your mind. So it's a big part of what, what I do every day. Uh, Sometimes it's become, and and back to just building that muscle, it's become just automatic for me now. So like all things you start out and before you know it, you're practicing, you're practicing. And then it just becomes another tool you use without even thinking about it. Right. So valuable. So valuable. And what about engagement? Tell us about that one. So we talked a little bit about this um, a little earlier on the podcast as well. And, And for me, this really focuses on figuring out how to act. So when you're faced with a situation where you know it's a setback, it's a challenge, and you're, you're, you're presented with it right in that moment. How do you respond? So what does, a, what does resilience look like in that scenario? So the way I, I've kind of mapped it out and the way I mapped it out for myself when I was first thinking about this is a series of steps around engagement. The first for me is stay present. Some people, when they're faced with a challenging situation, retreat from yes. it immediately. Yes. I would challenge everyone to stay present, even if it's, it feels against your nature, stay present and think about, and secondly, immediately in your brain, because we all can make these associations pretty quickly. Once we practice, Mm -hmm. think about something similar where you have been positive in the past, where you've driven a great outcome, where you, you felt like you were in control. Just quickly grasp onto it so you can stay present and you can stay positive because I think optimism is a big part of getting through a challenge. The next thing is find some small, immediate, tactical thing to do. So you create an early spark of momentum for yourself. Even if it's small, it's back to staying present, starting to act. And once you start that, the dominoes start to fall and you start to feel like you've got more control and control is a big part of like mm-hmm. figuring out how to keep staying positive and resilient. Yeah. And then also step back a little bit, think about a near-term goal and put a plan in place to go drive it. So I think about when I'm faced with a challenge, I think about doing those steps and just like with visualization, they, they start to become automatic. They sound a little stilted when you lay them out, yeah. but after you do them a few times, your brain automatically just clicks through those, um, right. those progressions. Right. Because I think you're also, you're also bringing to the table an awareness of how you typically would act mm-hmm. in an adverse situation. So I love, I love the fact that engagement is, is in this list because oftentimes, because we're human, right? You've got the fight, flight, or freeze you know, automatic response to whatever may be happening, but, you know, especially for the leaders listening who are leading through adversity or anything like that, staying engaged, staying in that moment and not shutting down to it, not looking away from it, staring directly into the skid, you know, so that to your point, you can take the steps. Um, Can you give us an example of where maybe you have, you've enacted this like in the face of adversity? Sure. I'll give you, it's funny when you were, when you were saying that I was actually just sitting here reflecting on uh, the first week of the whole pandemic when the pandemic hit and uh, our business was predominantly an in-person on-site business. We do a lot of advisory consulting work. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of conference work that really relies on that human connection and being present together. And like many, many people in many businesses, 
you know, the, the, I remember so vividly the first like 48 hours of shutdown mm-hmm. yep. and the, I'm sure like many people listening, you know, the panic that ensues, the uncertainty that's swirling, yep. you know, our phone is ringing off the hook with people who, you know, have events and schedules and things happening in that, that yep. week. And I pulled together the leaders uh, and my leadership team. And I said, we have to become virtual in the next four business days. Exactly. Yep. And it's, it's, it was just, it was obvious. And they said, oh my gosh, so many companies, they prepare for this for months and years and they have roadmaps and they have technology platforms and they have, have all these things. And I said, well, none of that matters right now. Exactly. We have to do this. This is it. We have to be, we have, we have clients who have needs, they're relying on us and we have to be virtual in the next, you know, five, five, six business days. So let's go away. Let's put a plan in place. Um, let's, let's choose to control what we can control and let's stand this up. And we did. And, you know, like a lot of things in life, you just gotta, you gotta go for it. And a lot of people, we watched a lot of businesses around us paralyzed. Exactly. Leaders who were scared, yep. people who didn't know, people who didn't have the, what they thought was the right infrastructure. Meanwhile, we were already gone, right? Like out the gate, running with it, taking care of people, taking care of each other and figuring it out. Right. And now we look back on that with such a source of pride. Um, but it, it was just a, a moment of real resilience. Yes, it was. And I think to your point, like, you know, it's interesting just, just from what I know of my, my corporate background as well as when you said like, well, people have prepared for months for this stuff. And it's like, but did they need to, right? Like, or were you mirrored in process? Were you mirrored in, you know, approvals and all the crap that goes along with that? Whereas when you're backed into a damn corner, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to watch your business go under, or are you going to figure, roll up your sleeves and figure it out? And it sounds like your team is just absolutely fantastic because they were open to that. They didn't automatically shut it down, correct? That's right. Well, I think too, we were talking a little bit about leadership just a moment ago. I think for everyone on who's listening, who's a leader, when you come through at a time of chaos and strife and you come through with the confidence that you you can get it done and you believe in the people that you have around you and they can get it done, Mm -hmm. that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I think that was a big part of it. And I was actually, I was just reading an article yesterday about Elon Musk, who I know is very, very controversial. You either love him or you, you don't. And yeah, he's got lots of, uh, lots of swirl, but right. one of the people that's worked for him for a long time said, one of the things I love about Elon is that he pushes me to look past boundaries. Yes. And he doesn't see the boundaries and inevitably he pushes me so hard that those that I do so much more than I ever thought I could do. Exactly. And I think that ties back to just resilience as well. We're all capable of a lot more than we think we are. Agreed. I agree. 110%. I mean, Elon Musk, the thing is you can hate him, love him, whatever, but he employs a bajillion people. So he's great for the economy. And I think to your (laughs) point, like great for exactly what you just said. And I think boundaries are, are things that we put upon ourselves. So, you know, I love the fact that you brought up leadership with that because oftentimes, you know, leaders are people too. So I'm not saying like, you're not going to feel that stuff, but 
leaders are leaders because in those moments of adversity, you have the ability to choose again, going back to our earlier conversation, how you want to show up for your team. And to your point, when the, when the pandemic hit, I I'm always watching, I'm always watching leaders and marketplaces and different things like that too. And, you know, I saw so many people, like you said, frozen and so many leaders who didn't, could not get out of their own way. Um, because of, and I think that's not nothing to say uh, bad about them, but it's to say it was so overwhelming, but I think this speaks volumes about you <laughs> as a leader, my dear, because of the fact that, you know, you looked at it and said, well, we can't control this. So let's roll with what we can control, which is a huge point when it comes to leadership as well. I agree. And it goes back to, I, I actually think I even said it probably uh, during those days, the calorie's not coming. Exactly. Like nobody's going to fix this for us. Yeah. Yeah. No one is, is going to take care of these clients. No one is going to give us a roadmap. Um, it's up to us right now in this moment to figure this out. And I, uh, one of the tenets I've, I've always really relied upon throughout my career is that speed matters. Yes, it does. And speed is something that, uh, you know, again, it's, you, we talked about visualization a few moments ago, but uh, speed is a completely like under discussed business principle, mm -hmm. but it yes. matters constantly how fast you can act yep. oftentimes will, will be the difference between success and, and failure. And in this case, for as a leader, my mindset was we need to move quickly to take care of our clients, but also our employees, because if we move too slowly, we will not preserve our revenue and that will lead to um, furloughs and, and job situations. And, oh, exactly. and so both things, speed is so important. Yeah. I mean, that and the fact of if you leave too much lag time, that's when people start going down the spiral of what ifs, mm -hmm. right? So if you're facing that situation, to your point, if you had left a week to contemplate shit, like your employees, <laughs> your people would have been like, you know, going down the different scenarios and running all the different scenarios rather than, you know, you stepped in and said, no, this is what's happening and this is what it's going to be. And I don't want to hear otherwise to that, you know, so you, you crunch that, that spiral time for lack of a better phrase, I guess that will happen. And you're exactly right. Like it could have been a lot worse had you not moved. <laughs> and it goes back to, we've been talking about it um, for throughout our conversation, being able to act Yes. and get something moving quickly, keeps people focused. It's a key part of being resilient. Right. If you take too long or you feel you need to go back and you know, analysis paralysis something, yes, exactly. it's really gonna change your trajectory. Right, and I wanna make a distinction though between what you're saying versus what I've seen oftentimes with companies and with folks around um, fear-based decision-making, right? You have to have that sweet spot, and correct me if I'm wrong, between fast action, insane thinking, correct? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a whole conversation. I, I mean, feel like exactly. we can talk forever. I know. Um, I, that's, a, I, that's a passion of mine um, yeah. around not that, that nexus of how do you make a great decision that's not driven by fear? Exactly. How do you do enough analysis that you feel confident in your decision, but yeah. you index that against speed? Right, right, exactly. And I think that's where... Well, number one, I'm not a fan of black and white thinking it's either this or it's that, but I do see people fall into camps of 
I've been in companies where I've seen the decisions. I'm like, these make, these are absolutely completely illogical. Oh, they're from a place of fear. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, and they did the best they could with what they were given, I guess, at that moment. Um, but yes, that could be an entirely different conversation. <laughs> True. Um, well, I mean, as we're kind of, you know, wrapping up and things like that, you know, can you give us maybe a couple small last points that you would embark on our, you know, give to our entrepreneurs listening or whoever's listening. Cause I think we have a range of people that are listening, not just entrepreneurs, you know, around resilience, around your ability to maintain your confidence and move through adversity. You know, I, I am a real believer that each and every one of us who, who got up this morning, right. Enjoyed the sunrise, um, had an opportunity, has an opportunity for the next 24 hours to do amazing things, no matter your circumstances, no matter the challenges you're facing, no matter how overwhelmed you might feel in this very moment, this day is such a gift. And I try to start every single day, even the worst days, the hardest days, Mm -hmm. the crappy days with that kind of mindset. And so if I were to say anything around, you know, challenges and and look, they can, they can be really hard financial challenges, market challenges, health challenges. I'm not discounting that, but mindset is everything. It is. And if you can start to conquer your own psychology and you can think about how to manage your own mind, that's where all the breakthroughs will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes full circle to, you know, your ability to choose your ability to choose what your mindset is going to be that day, despite the circumstances at hand, because you're exactly right. We don't want to, we don't want this entire conversation to be boiled down to like good versus bad, or, you know, discount anyone's challenges, but while you're going through them, which again, I want to accentuate the word going through them because you can't go around them (laughs) on a lot of levels. You know, you have to really be conscious of the, of the mindset that you're choosing. So thank you for reinforcing that. I appreciate it. Um, anything, any other last kind of thoughts that popped into your head? No, I would just say, you know, right now there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for us all to grow a lot of resilient muscle. I hope there's been some good moments here where people thought they could take away a little nugget or a little something. Um, and I would just encourage everybody tap into your courage, grit, push through, you know, the things where you, you, you see limits, there aren't any, like just really try, try to, um, get on the other side of, of your own mindset. So you can drive some really extraordinary things in the world. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think there's, there's without a doubt that folks took away a good amount of, of amazing points from this. Cause I know I did. Um, so tell folks where they can find more information about you, you know, and the leadership center. So give us kind of a rundown of how folks can get in touch with you or find you. Sure. Uh, LinkedIn is one of my very favorite platforms. So you certainly follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. It's the same for the Leadership Center. We are passionate about putting out great content, um, inspirational content on a regular basis. So please follow us on LinkedIn as well uh, and check us out on our website. We also blog very frequently. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in climbing mountains, um, (laughs) uh, I'm on Instagram, but word of note, 
note, that's really, my Instagram is really dedicated to uh, my love of mountain climbing and being outside and adventure and uh, just generally trying to live life to the fullest. I love that. I love it so much. Well, you know, and guys, I'm going to include all of that in the show notes because I have, I've been on the, the leadership centers website and they do, she's, she's not lying folks. <laughs> they have some amazing, you know, blogs and some great content on there that I know will resonate with you. So be sure to check everything out. And, you know, Antonia, thank you so much for being with me here today. I think this was such a great conversation. Michelle, it's an absolute pleasure. And I sure hope at some point when this is through, uh, we can go out and enjoy maybe, maybe not a whiskey because of the gluten for you, but, but, uh, we'll, we'll find, we'll find something because yeah, I feel like work. there's, yeah. Okay. That, that works for me too. So we'll, uh, we'll find something fun to, to do and just continue these great conversations. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. So I really think that this is one of those episodes that, I mean, number one, I'm going to go back and listen to again. And I would also recommend that you do the same because it was just such an empowering conversation. And Antonia brings just a litany of, of in different topics and different, you know, nuggets of wisdom to the table from her carve method to, you know, just her life experience and her knowledge and leading teams and everything else. So I would definitely recommend that this is one of those episodes that you go back and listen to for a second time, just to let it all sink in. And on next week's episode, we are going a little deeper. So I am speaking to Serena Talbot, who is a certified rapid transformational therapy practitioner. And if you don't know what that is, it is just in a small nutshell, and we'll talk about it a lot more next week. It is a tool that will help you kind of get to the subconscious layer and remove the blocks that are potentially getting in the way of your success, in the way of building the life you want. And it's a really interesting conversation that I have with her. So I definitely think that you you should tune in next Monday. And you know, you can find me if you're looking for me. I am at createhonesty.com. Create Honesty is my handle on Facebook, Clubhouse and Instagram and LinkedIn. You can check me out by my name. And as always, if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review. And, you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.